0: And welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Culp. I'm the president and CEO at cuinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. There are so many folks out there who support credit unions. And together, we get to talk about all the issues that affect credit unions and the best practices and solutions to learn from one another and improve our industry. My guest on today's show is Sean Temple. He is the strategy director at On The Mark Strategies. It is going to be a great conversation. Sean, thank you so much for being here.
1: Hey, Lauren. Yes, yeah, thanks. Pleasure to be here. And this should be fun.
0: It sure will. Well, we always start off the same way, which is most of us did not grow up thinking that we would get to work with credit unions one day. Many of us did not even know what they were. What did you want to be growing up?
1: All right. I'm going to give you the dream and a backup plan. Right, so I had the dream is still alive. I wanted to be a front man for like a rock band, like think Steven Tyler and Mick Jagger. You know, like I love being in front of a crowd and a band behind me. Uh, That kind of energy is like the best, the best. But I was also realistic, so I figured not a lot of people get to you know Mick Jagger their way to a career. So I remember like in high school wanting to be an anesthesiologist, like bringing people to the brink. Right, so that was something that I really wanted to do, but. When it comes down to it, it was really just because they make a lot of money. And it turns out that I wasn't very good at science. And I didn't want to go to school that long. So yeah, I decided maybe credit unions.
0: I like it. All right. So there was a dream. There's a backup plan. Then there was what actually happened. So what was the journey like to your current role as the strategy director at On The Mark Strategies?
1: Yeah. So my story is probably a lot like a lot of people's in credit unions. You You said we don't we probably didn't grow up thinking about working at a credit union. It wasn't a lifelong dream. And that was certainly true for me as well. I remember I graduated high school on a Saturday and two days later on Monday morning, I started working part-time at, at a local credit union and I, I just needed a job to work through college. That was all I was looking for. And so I started out actually encoding checks for those of you that remember that and working in what back then was called the data processing room. Right. And I've, I look back on that and go, that was insane. That they let an eighteen-year-old handle some of those <laughs> like server responsibilities. It's crazy, but nobody got hurt. Everything was fine. So I, f- I finished my degree, got a degree in accounting, and then and then stayed working there while I got my MBA. And like a lot of people, I just worked my way around and in credit unions, uh, in the credit union itself, and different departments, trying to learn everything I could. And then I thought, you know what? I should probably leave and try this accounting gig. Right. So I left and worked for a CPA firm that audited credit unions. And that is time that I will never get back, but I did learn a lot <laughs> through that process. And then I came back to the credit union and, and served as chief operating officer for 17 years and oversaw everything but accounting and it. So I always like to say that, that, uh, credit unions are, are like hotel California. You know, you can check out, but you can never leave. So, Mark Arnold, our CEO and founder here at On the Mark Strategies, had been a mentor of mine since 2005, actually. And uh, about two and a half years ago, I joined his team and really am just thrilled to be helping credit unions of all sizes all across the country achieve their goals. So, it's been a wild ride and I'm having fun every day.
0: What a cool ride that has been. So, tell us more about On the Mark Strategies. A lot of folks in credit unions have Probably either done business with you or heard of you. But what's the elevator pitch for those who don't know about what On the Mark Strategies does and where you add value for credit unions?
1: Sure. Yeah. We live and breathe credit unions. You prick our fingers and we are going to bleed credit union blood. You know, (laughs) we've all worked in credit unions. We have sat in your seats. We totally get it. So, look, we wake up every single day to help credit unions win, survive, and thrive. And we do that through strategy. Branding, marketing help, training and development. You know, you look at the top 10 banks in this country, they hold a super majority of the country's assets. And we get up every day to make sure that credit unions succeed.
0: I like it. Let's talk strategic planning. You all are the experts in this area. What should credit union leaders really be thinking about as they approach strategic planning every year?
1: I think the number one thing is that they just, they do strategic planning. You'd be surprised at the number that that still don't do it regularly. And another thing is to think about the value and, and impact of getting off the world for a minute and thinking big picture. You know, like how are we going to succeed in the face of our challenges and in the face of our challengers? You know, we often say strategic planning is not a date on a calendar, it's actually a process. And I think I've seen it's, it's easy. I remember this at my credit union too. It's easy to push strategic planning to the back burner because, you know, let's be honest, we're, we're drinking from a fire hose every day at our credit union, <laughs> just running it. But we really have to fight that urge and carve out time and protect it. And I really believe that the single greatest advantage that that any credit union can achieve, and, and I'm borrowing this from thought leader, Patrick Lincioni, is clarity and alignment. Right. So think about that. If we could get the entire board of directors, the entire leadership team, the entire staff, as we say, from boardroom to break room, if we could all get clearly aligned on what it is that we're trying to accomplish and how, like, what could you achieve? So strategic planning is really your North Star that we're navigating toward a point on the horizon that we all decided to go. And without it, without strategic planning, what happens is we drift. And think about drifting on the open water in the ocean. (laughs) Not not a good feeling. It's extraordinarily dangerous. And I I think what's also resonating is that when you drift, think about your team, all the folks that work with you, it can very often create this dynamic of grumbling, of fatigue... And and really maybe a lack of confidence. So when everybody understands what it is that we're doing, why we're doing it, and what their role is in it, what's in it for them, wow, you can accomplish anything.
0: I want to talk more about strategic planning. It is one of the most important. Things that leaders do with their time, but it can be really tough to get right. And you talked about it's not a date on the calendar; it's a it's a process. It's something that is ongoing. But what are some of the errors or missed opportunities that you've seen in your work with credit unions?
1: Wow, this is a great question. Uh, The first thing I say is, okay, who's right? What's right? I mean, you know, like who knows? (laughs) And I think it's okay to to sit with that. And understand that as a leader, this is one of your primary objectives, is to have these conversations and be thinking about these things. But one of the biggest mistakes that leaders can make is kind of exactly what you teed up there is, what if I get it wrong? What's going to happen? <laughs> and my answer is, okay, move on. Learn from that. There's no failure, only feedback. Um, the only organizations that can say that they didn't make a mistake are the ones that aren't doing anything. So let's not worry about that. Um, now I'm not, I'm also not saying that we just throw something crazy against the wall and hope for the best. You know, we want to, we want to have these conversations and guide you to a plan that makes sense and is directionally appropriate for your credit union. But look, the best organizations always do something. The best leaders lead. They, they have a bias toward action. They're always moving. And what you find is that people, the regular folks out there that are working, they want leaders, they want to follow and do something great. So we need to do something better for our credit unions, for the people that work there, for our communities, and most of all, <laughs> the lives of the members that we're serving, right? So that's, a, that's a, one of the biggest things that I see is people worry about what's right and what's wrong. And, and when they're paralyzed about it, that creates this sort of inertia that we're not doing anything, which I think is worse. And, and the other thing that I have heard is, you know, external factors are going to happen. What if X? What if Y? What are we going to do then? What happens to the plan? All these things outside of our control. And that's always going to be true. But it, it makes me think of that book. I don't know if you've heard of the book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Uh, kind of a children's book, but so many applications to life. And they're in this dark forest, you know, and it's a little scary, a little iffy. And the boy says, I, I can't see a way through. And the horse says, can you see your next step? And the boy says, yes. And the horse says, then just take that. So we need to know where we're starting and know where we're going. But we also need to plan the steps. And look, things are going to happen, many of them outside of your control. But when they do, just take the next step, do something, move, and and you'll move the needle.
0: That reminds me of a saying that I have heard before, which is a moving car is easier to steer. (laughs) So start and it'll be a lot easier to turn the wheel than if you're not going anywhere.
1: A hundred percent.
0: I want to switch gears for a moment and talk about culture. We know how critical it is for credit unions for everyone. Are there any key best practices you suggest to help them build a strong culture?
1: Okay. So if you had two hours or so, I could talk about culture all (laughs) day long. This is my jam. I love talking about culture. I think that it is really the thing that could could take any organization to the next level. If we really have solidly aligned credit unions, you can build amazing cultures. I'm someone who thinks that culture is, is not really a project, but it's a result of putting in the work to build a really healthy organization. And this is... We need to be talking about this all the time now because everywhere I go, people are saying the labor market is tough. Right? It's hard to find people, hard to keep people, and that's true. So one of the ways in which that you can you can be better and not face those challenges is to build, put in the work to build a really solid culture, and it does begin with aligning everyone around uh, those key things. Those, vi- what is our vision? What is our north star at the credit Why do we get out of bed and do this every day? And why should people care? And you'd be surprised how many people go, yeah, yeah, Sean, we have that. It's on our break room wall or it's on page 17 of our employee handbook. But I got news for you folks. That's not gonna cut it. <laughs> we need to be talking about this all the time. We need to differentiate ourselves from other organizations, not only credit unions, but we need to give people a reason to work here and why it matters and why it matters to them and what we're trying to achieve. Because this is a great story that credit unions have. The impact that we have on members' lives and our communities is unbelievably good, right? And so we need to lean into that and talk about it more and sort of get out of the weeds. Another thing that we need to be thinking about and talking about is, is core values. This can help build a culture, and it's critical to building a core culture. Now, this is something that lives in the employee handbook and so many organizations. And these words can be defined a million different ways. And everybody has their own spin on it. But I think if we could just make this as simple as possible, because we really believe that on the March Strategies, simple wins. Simple always wins, right? So core values are nothing more than behaviors. So what behaviors does it take to be an employee here? And if we just drill it down to be that simple, and we've worked with credit unions and helped them with uh, with this journey of finding their values, it's amazing that you can... Point all your 100% of your staff to these behaviors and here's what it takes to work here and then hold people accountable to that. And what you will find, this is magical, what you'll find is you will begin to attract the kind of people who want to play ball and behave that way. And you will also repel the people that you have internally today that do not want to play ball that way. And both situations are exactly what you want. It seems to me that credit unions aren't as good at this as they could be. By that, I mean, we tend to hold on pe- to people a little too long, <laughs> even though they're not behaving the way that we want, because we're really nice people. But what you find is if you hold people accountable to the behaviors that you have, you have set out, um, you're going to do amazing things. If, if you'll allow me, I want to talk about... the uh, there's, a, there's a new-ish tool out there called the Six Types of Working Genius some folks maybe have heard about it. This is a tool that can help us get people in the right seats on the bus. You know, that's, that's something we've heard for years, right? We need to get people, the right people on the bus and then put them in the right seats. Well, this is a tool that can actually help. And it's been around about three and a half years or so, uh, developed by Patrick Lincioni and his company, the table group. And I became so obsessed with this, Lauren, that I got certified as a facilitator in this <laughs> because I think that it is a game changer. And in, in one quick 10 minute assessment, that you do online, people will understand what their geniuses are. Everybody has two working geniuses and everybody has two working frustrations. And what these geniuses are, are those things that we're doing in the natural state of our work that bring us a lot of energy and we get fulfillment out of and we get even joy out of. And there are six types. And the theory behind this assessment is not that it's a personality tool. It's not that at all. It's a productivity tool. The theory being, if we could get people doing more of the work that they naturally are energized by, they would experience less burnout. They would be more fulfilled. They would like coming to work more. And at the same time, if we could understand what they are absolutely frustrated by and what parts of their job are so draining that they hate... That's what's creating the burnout. That's what's creating the resentment and frustration. So learning that about each other and ourselves can make us all more effective, not only individually but collectively. And you look at this on on a team map, you start to see where my gaps are and why I get stuck here and why the department gets stuck there. It really is game changing stuff. So I really, uh, I really would love to help any credit union out there. Uh, the credit unions that have done this, it's been so awesome to see. Then we go, ah, that makes total sense. This is why I don't like this. This is why I do so well here. So it really can be game changer to get the right people in the right seat on the bus and and reduce your turnover and make people more productive and effective.
0: We're going to link to the book that Sean mentioned, that's The Six Types of Working Genius here. There is so much, and to your point, we could spend hours and hours talking (laughs) about culture. (laughs) I don't want to miss one other thing that we wanted to talk about, though. Even as we plan strategy, plan for what our, what our hopefully future will look like, what our success will look like as we build culture today, we can't forget about developing the leaders who will come after us too. Can you share more about your perspective of leadership development and, and how you think we can really work to ensure the credit union leaders of tomorrow are equipped?
1: Definitely. Okay, so I just read an article last week that talked about how younger generations are not as interested in manager and leadership positions. And this is really scary to me, because this is potentially, we're on the precipice of a crisis, where are the leaders going to come from? Nobody wants to do this anymore, right? The first thing I would say is, we all know this, but there's a difference between managers and leaders. So we're really interested in, in developing the next generation of leaders. We need both. But as Simon Sinek says, managers look after numbers, and leaders look after us. So for me, it's all about motive. I ask the question, "Why do you want to be a leader?" Right? We can start there. Motive is so important. Now, some people want to climb a ladder for uh, whatever—more benefits, more money, more salary, fringe. Uh, others, maybe it's career progression. Sometimes it's even ego. And and by the way, I would say there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things. It's just that. It's really important that we're upfront about that because it's going to affect those people in our charge. I think that leadership is heavy. It's not an award, it's an obligation. it's It's really a privilege, and it's the weight of it and the gravity of it should be recognized. And the other thing I think about leadership is it's so fragile, and we have to protect it. And by fragile, I mean that the people the people always have the power to choose who they will follow, right? I mean, if, you, if you're if you a manager, you're on an org chart somewhere and people report to you because they have to. But but people always choose who they will follow. And just as quickly as they can choose to follow you, they can choose to unfollow you. So we can never take them for granted and we can't ever let them down. And so I think when you think about leadership, your own leadership development, I love those folks that have the attitude that learning never stops. I love walking into a room and doing leadership development and seeing someone that's been in the C-suite for 25, 30 years and And they go, "I'm here to learn. I don't know it all. Learning never stops. That is so amazing to me. I love that, and so that should be the attitude we all have. Keep investing in your development it's it's um it's on you, it's your responsibility but also it's a race you'll never finish. You know those uh, we're We're gonna keep doing this over and over and over, but think about think about all the people that you're gonna lift up along the way, and this is really the legacy that i think that should warm you right now one of our teammates he reminds me of the saying i'm probably gonna get it a little bit wrong but one of the signs of a great society is when old men plant trees the shade of which they'll never sit under i think about that and go wow but the same is true for leadership right if if we develop ourselves to lead others through service you think about that like the tidal wave of leaders that will rise from your legacy for years to come, is really incalculable. So that's kind of my take on leadership. I think it's heavy. I think it's an obligation. I think it's a privilege. And we owe it to ourselves and, and whomever else we can lift up to develop ourselves.
0: Wow. Uh, really, really powerful words. I love that quote. As you think about what the future looks like for on-the-mark strategies, where, where is your focus for the road ahead?
1: Well, look, we're, we're here for the long haul. We absolutely believe in our core that credit unions are, are vital. And so we, just as I preached here, we're going to continue to row in our boat together toward our North Star, which is which is guiding and helping credit unions with their strategy, branding, marketing, and training. So they not only survive, but they can thrive for this generation and future generations.
0: I love that. And there is so much need for our industry to really be thinking about how we engage future generations. It's it's so great to be able to chat with you about all of this. As we wrap up the show, I always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little better. The questions are rapid, but your answers don't have to be. So if you're ready, I will dive in.
1: Oh, this will be scary. Okay, go ahead.
0: <laughs> Question number one, who is someone in your life that was a great leader and what makes them great? Hmm.
1: Okay, I'm going to give you two: professional and personal. Okay, I'm going to have to say Mark, our CEO and founder Mark Arnold, uh, but not because he hired me, although that, let's be honest, that was a pretty good move on his part. <laughs> 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 One of my strengths is humility, right? Um, no, but I would seriously I would I say him because I, I said earlier that you know, he helped me out starting in 2005, and I literally walked up to him at the end of a conference that he was speaking at, and I said, "I don't know what I'm doing in my job, and you seem like you know." a lot about credit unions, so can you help me? <laughs> that's literally how we met. And that was nearly 20 years ago. And he did that, he he invested in me and developed me and kept in touch with me. We had several meetings a year uh, when there was absolutely nothing in it for him. And it was just about me and my development as a person and a leader. And I think it's a great example, Because it shows that, we just talked about leaders versus managers. Leadership is not about what you do, it's really about who you are as a person, and that's just who he is. And so I strive to be that as well. My personal one is my maternal grandmother, my grandma. So she passed on in 2020. But as she was in her 30s, she overnight, I was a single parent. And she had three kids and was raising two teenagers. One was already out of the house. So overnight, this has been a housewife for her entire life. She had to figure it out. And she worked three jobs, three jobs. She went from zero to three to just provide, right? I mean, food, clothes, roof, rent, the whole thing. And I, I, we've talked about this at length in our family. Uh, never a complaint, no axe to grind, just her constant grind to just make it happen one day at a time. And I think that it's a lesson in, in perseverance and resilience to get up every day and, and keep going. And faith and you, you look at our, our family, the branches from that tree, all the kids and the grandkids, and you look at that particular struggle and that could have gone either way. I think, you know, which road did she take? You look at the branches from that tree and each one bears fruit. And I think, I think it bears fruit because the roots of that tree were strong. The tree itself was strong and good. And it's just. It's just an example that we really do stand on the shoulders of giants and all of those that went before us. The little decisions that they made and the work that they put in has generational effects. So I would be remiss if I didn't say my grandma.
0: Two really fantastic answers. All right. Question number two. If you're going to splurge on something, so you want to treat yourself, what is something that you might invest a little bit into, whether that's time or resources?
1: Oh, this one's easy. Aloha time. Right. So I try to get in time to visit Maui every year if I can been going since uh, 2001, maybe or something like that. It is one of those places, maybe the only place for me that truly allows me to disconnect and just be <laughs> like as soon as I touch down at OGG, which is the airport code for Kahului, Maui. <laughs> I'm just a different person. The Aloha spirit there is something that is difficult to articulate and it's so devastating though the wildfires last august there it will forever change lahaina and that side of the island but the spirit of of that place will always be there they're strong people and i can't wait to be back i'll be there soon hopefully
0: i love that and i might have to tag along
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh it'll change your life
0: (laughs) All right. Here's our next question for you. If you travel for work, a lot of us do. What is the city you're most excited to visit, whether for a client visit or a conference? And I know uh, there are a few conferences out in Hawaii, but that, <laughs> what are, what <laughs> yeah. are you most excited to visit?
1: Nice plug. Yeah. If there are Hawaii folks listening, let's make it happen. I, yes, I do travel quite a lot. I uh, can live in airports sometimes a year. A bit all over the place, and first of all, I got to say it's really nice to see and meet so many people from different areas of credit unions. They all have a passion for it. I love it. It's been it's really helped to energize me again. But I would say San Diego. I love San Diego. It's it's just enough of everything, but not too much. You know, and all we're talking about Southern California. They got the weather, the water, the vibe. It's just it's all perfect. So shout out to San Diego Credit unions. Hit me up if if I can come visit slash work. <laughs> Eddie on the knows it though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. All right. What is a book that you think everyone should read?
1: Oh, five dysfunctions of a team. Ash Lencioni. Link it, do it. <laughs> I think it's foundational to any business. Um, it's it's over 20 years old now, but it still holds up. So I think start there if you want to build something solid and great. But you know it's one of those things like it's we just got to keep doing it. Um, It's not... The concepts are great, but what's going to help us move the needle is the discipline to do those things all the time to make them habits. But it is so foundational to me. Highly recommend 5 Dysfunctions of a Team.
0: We will link to that book in the show notes here as well. So if you're looking for it, it should be linked right there for you. All right, Sean, what has been your best hack for creating balance and integration between your work life and your life life?
1: Wow, okay. I'm not the person to ask for this. <laughs> I'm not really good at this. But I mean, I will say I've gotten better in the last couple of years. I'm just someone that's kind of always on and kind of willing and able to work all the time, especially with your mobile device, you're constantly answering emails and slacks and teams. But I have gotten better. I, I think that this is gonna sound crazy cliche and it is, but it does help me. It, it's that saying the days are long and the years are short. You know, when you look at like the big picture, that really is true. And we we all have this this finite thing, this time, right? And where are we making the biggest impact? And that helps me understand where where should I be cutting this off, right? Who who's getting my time? Where where am I sharing my time? There's a time for work. There's a time for the people that are closest to you. Uh, so that helps me when you look at big picture and time. It becomes an easier choice on which side of the fence you fall on. There,
0: I like that. Well, we're going to link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. But my last question for you, Sean, is: Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share, or any final asks of our listeners today?
1: Yeah, I think so. I heard this. um, I saw this on social media a few weeks ago, and it really resonated with me. And I just can't get out of my head. So I'm, I'm going to get it in all of your heads. That'll make me feel better. So I heard a basketball coach say this on video to her. College athletes, she said, "Look, sometimes we get stuck wondering and waiting on when is this going to get easier? work, life, projects, when is it going to get better? I'm sick of the grind, right and And we know that it never will, it never does, it never will. It'll always be tough. And she said, "Look, you just got to keep showing up and doing the work because what happens is life doesn't get easier, work doesn't get easier. What happens is you become the kind of person who gets better at dealing with and solving tough challenges. And that is the kind of person you want to be. So I would say, just keep showing up. I know it's tough out there, but just show up, do something, you will move the needle. And also, I would say, Lauren, just listeners, give yourself a break. You can't do everything amazingly. Give yourself some grace and give yourself a break. Come back tomorrow and try again. And you're going to move the needle.
0: That is just a perfect way to wrap up this episode. We're going to link to Sean's contact information and some more information about on the mark strategies for anyone who's interested in learning more. Thank you again, Sean, for being on the show. So great to get to connect with you today.
1: Thanks, Lauren. I had a lot of fun.
0: Stay well. And thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning into the You Insight Network podcast. We will be back again next time.